0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Oppenheimer's Let's Talk Future podcast series. In this episode, our guest is Duran Barnes, Senior Managing Director and Global Head of Equity Trading and Distribution at Oppenheimer. And our host is Jane Ross, Managing Director of Investment Banking. This episode was recorded on October 19, 2021. Please subscribe to our channel to instantly access previous episodes. Subscribing also means you won't miss out on new episodes with our thought leaders who bring you timely and relevant insights about the markets, investing, business, new technologies, and life in general. Welcome to our episode called Fight or Flight, a conversation with Duran Barnes about market risk. I'm your host, Jane Ross. For those of us who are regulars in the market, the fight or flight response is very familiar. We're always dealing with market risk and unexpected occurrences, and we always have to figure out what to do about it. But here, as we race into the fourth quarter of 2021, the number of risks seems really large and pretty daunting. So it's a good thing we have Duran Barnes here. We've talked to Duran before, and it's always an enlightening pleasure. Duran is the Senior Managing Director, who's the Global Head of Equity Trading and Distribution at Oppenheimer. Now, this is a vitally important seat. He oversees the vast network of clients, salespeople, traders, and he has access to all of that behavior and market activity. So he's a good guy for a podcast about market risk. We're gonna cover a lot here. We're gonna talk about China, supply chain chaos, unemployment trends, rates, valuations. We're gonna look into 2022. So we've got a lot to cover and we're gonna get going. Welcome, Duran, and it's so good to have you back.
1: It's great to be back, Jane. Thanks for having me again.
0: It's also nice to have you for a real conversation. When I call you, I seem to only get 30 second snippets because you all are so busy on the trading desk these days.
1: Yeah, things have been very busy for obvious reasons. There's two different battles going on in the field right now. The long-term vision on what's going on with the markets and everyone's cautious approach to the markets being at lofty levels and what would force them to come in. There's a lot outstanding, which we can cover in the long term. But I think where we've been busy in the last few months, Jane, is the activity of our institutional clients and our retail clients. If you look at the facts and the market's been doing very well, there is been a fundamental understanding that the Fed is there providing liquidity. Also, performance dispersion has never been greater between the mutual fund community and the hedge fund community. This is the largest gap in history. If you look at the average performance for hedge funds in the last ongoing year, it's roughly 3% gain, whereas the mutual fund community is up somewhere around 15 to 17% alongside the marketplace. That dispersion is pretty big, so that forces a lot of activity. With headlines of inflation concerns, with headlines of our future labor market concerns. And there's just been a lot of movement. So that's where we are right now.
0: And throw in earnings season, which is always particularly busy. But let's start and get into some of those risks that you referenced. You know, for me, sort of the biggest unknown in risk is China. We seem to get frequent headlines. We just got GDP numbers out of China. I'd be interested in your take, given your vantage point.
1: Well, there are a lot of different components on China. This is, in my opinion, the most paramount topic that we could be focused on the markets. First, if we look at their actual economy, it has been a lot weaker. Retail sales numbers have been weaker. Their GDP number came in light. And so they've been doing things to stimulate their economy. In addition the Evergrande issue in the real estate arena. And as you know, there's still a lot of questions surrounding that. Is How severe is that problem? Is it a long-term capital problem from 1997, 98? Is it a financial crisis problem? No one quite understands. And so I think on an economic level, that's a pretty significant problem that we're seeing.
0: Well, yeah, and when you reference that, you know, in China, these things are so linked. I had read that three quarters of household wealth is tied to property. So when you think about the ripple effect of maybe that creating more caution and slowing in the economy, that's a big unknown and a big risk for us.
1: Yeah, Jane, it's a great point, though. You used the word, key word there, unknown. When China gets involved, whether it be their involvement in their own companies or whether it be making statements on a daily basis. When they make statements, people listen and it's overnight and it's trading driven and then you wake up and it kind of leads the way. Some examples of that are when they're talking about hanging on to energy supply. Well, that affects the energy markets in the morning and it affects our futures market. Yesterday, they came out and said they're gonna be offering out some more coal supplies. Well, that's positive, the market liked that, right? So they're, they're back you know, working globally and sharing globally. Every day that China comes out with a negative headline, whether it be regarding their economy or whether it be their interference in their stocks, that makes the markets start off on very loose footing. When there is a positive headline or a positive development, they believe that they've contained the Evergrande situation in real estate. That definitely gets people calmer. So their markets and their commentary are very important on a daily basis.
0: Well, and that intrusion, too, is something that we're not that familiar with in terms of how they've controlled companies that can go public, tech companies' behavior. So there's a lot there.
1: There's a lot there, and it's exactly right, too. And remember, when they stimulate their economy like they've been doing, that affects the rates market. And our rates market, Tends to tie to Japan, Europe, et cetera, but not to the Chinese rate markets. So remember, we always talk about it and we've talked about it together about the velocity of movements in markets and rate velocity and higher rate moves is a very, very dangerous thing. The market's not prepared for that. We ultimately know that the Fed will, in fact, you know, raise rates over time. And we also know that the Fed will taper, which is a very important issue. Where's the liquidity going? Are we going to have significant volatility? And right now, why people are buying the dip? Volatility is low. Earnings are coming in great but China
0: definitely can change that
1: based on certain behaviors on a daily basis. It makes the market a little uncomfortable.
0: Oh yeah, and you know, you talk about sort of the big picture risks that are looming out there that we referenced. Every day we're reading about supply chain issues. And the fact that goods can't get to consumers, that because of COVID, because of China, this has been a massive, massive disruption in the supply chain. And that's an unprecedented risk that we're dealing with.
1: Yeah, Jane, I mean, that's a great topic. And obviously the one that's on everyone's minds right here, right now. Now, part of that is, you know, development of COVID and Things are out of our control. Some of that is man-made. Stimulus checks, unemployment checks going for longer periods of time. And, you know, when we look at the supply chain situation, 3% of the U.S. population quit their jobs in August. Okay? Since then, you've had people get let go, unfortunately, because of the vaccine mandate. So you're losing a lot of people in the marketplace. And it's also difficult to retain talented people who actually can help move product and manufacture product. The global markets are all being impacted by that. But in the US in particular, that's a huge concern. And that's what you're feeling right now. And that's a big topic between price inflation and labor constraints with a supply shortage. That's why people are very concerned on the forward.
0: You talk about that, the labor risks there too. I think with COVID, you've had demands come into the system. We're seeing some upward pressure in wages. Workers want. They have a new list of priorities and where you work and how you work is now in the conversation. That's all new. And that's a stunning figure you gave us about the number of people that are exiting the workforce or quit their job. Again, to talk about the big risks, that's another new one for us.
1: That's a new one. You know, it's interesting. So, a lot of those people we're talking about, Jane, they're at home now. And guess what they're doing? They're trading. They're trading, and they are a real, real big footprint in the marketplace right now. Case in point, was over the weekend, Facebook was a big discussion point with the social media and social content outlets. And so Monday morning, it was discussed that Facebook was relatively cheap. And sure enough, Monday morning, Facebook was bought pretty aggressively. But it's interesting. It's a combination of the retail players coming in Monday morning and saying, we're going to follow this lead. And then the institutions follow as well. Now, what we're learning is this is really important. And this is what I get to see. I am blessed to see on our desk. Mutual funds in particular, they drive the marketplace still. Their volume, yeah, size, liquidity, involvement. And right now with the performance of mutual funds doing so well, they can sit tight and hopefully win out the rest of the year. They have great performance. Hedge funds also provide a lot of liquidity, but they really got to move in and out a lot. They're looking to capture opportunities. And really, for a long period of time now, everyone's been waiting for the shoe to drop. We've got a lot of challenges ahead. So that's what the shoe is that everyone's waiting to drop.
0: And in terms of that retail customer and the headlines that we were reading about the pack following certain names or taking on certain names... Has that abated, you mentioned Facebook, but in general, are you still seeing those kind of swings from the retail space?
1: Yeah, so we get some very good data from our business as well as other firms around the street. They kind of publish that at the end of the day. We all thought that there would slow down, that that would eventually slow down. And, And it did for a while in pockets, but it's still there and it's still not going away. I think it's here to stay between the retail component Quant funds, which is actually algorithmic, but the mutual fund complex and the hedge fund complex, you've got multiple players plus global macro funds, pension funds. That's where the liquidity circle is coming from. The thing that we have always talked about, Jane, is I really worry without the Fed there providing that liquidity, backstopping this market and start to taper we're going to get some more volatility.
0: You would think. I mean, you would think that's a given.
1: Right. So that volatility comes, I think a lot of people, mom and pop at home, take a break. Right. When things get whipsawed around up and down 7 8% a day, you have to have an understanding of why that is. Well, it's going to be liquidity or lack thereof that's driving that.
0: Well, yeah. And we called this fight or flight and... Again, when you have that kind of stress in the system and those kind of moves, you would think that the flight response would be a little more prevalent. But you you mentioned another thing that I think it's worth talking about. It certainly took me by surprise. You talked about commodities and energy and this oil price move. Again, another big shock. I don't think a lot of people would have called that. What do you think?
1: Well, look, we've got two parts to this move. We have energy stocks that are back in vogue and were one of the most hated sectors and people would not touch them because people lost a lot of money. I mean, there's a lot of damage done for a long time. Now you've got people really focused on them because they're performing really well. And when they're performing well, people buy things that perform well. It's the fear of missing out. It's following the momentum, right? And then, and separately, the financial group, same thing with the financials. Financials are acting great. Not only are their businesses doing great, And their deal flow is great, but rates are cooperating, will ultimately go higher, and that fits the financial narrative. Those two sectors are obviously the ones that are not as sexy, but they are very sexy now. And that's what's got people really, like to your point, really all over energy and financials right now.
0: All right, well, let's go to a little more sexy. What about tech stocks? At Oppenheimer, we trade a ton of tech stocks, we do a lot of deal origination, great performance. What are your thoughts there?
1: I love our tech franchise. Our analysts are amazing. Our traders are very talented. And it happens to be our largest vertical in terms of trading. So we've seen a tremendous amount of activity there. Tech is still favorite all the way around. It's the sectors that everyone still trades around, focuses on the most. They really tell you a narrative on a forward basis. So you know, what's most exciting for us is we have a very unique block business here, which is a larger liquidity business. And I'm very proud of Oppenheimer and our involvement in getting involved in those types of transactions. So it's started with the largest tech trades, whether it be Momentum, MNTV, the former Survey Monkey. We did 18 million share block in that space. So we're getting a really good good following from our mutual fund and hedge fund complex, as well as some of our retail franchise participating in those opportunities. So to your point, Jane, tech is the driver for us. It has been, and I think it will continue to be.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've got the earnings. We have to keep an eye on interest rates with that sector because when the rates go up, that always seems to ding tech stocks. But right now, the momentum seems pretty strong. So taking all of this, we've articulated a lot of big risks that are going to be with us for a while. And we're well into the fourth quarter here. Give me some forward looking thoughts as we kind of round the year end and head into 2022. What's on your mind of the most relevant things?
1: You know, it's hard, Jane, because there are about 10 reasons why you'd be very negative. What are taxes going to look like? What is inflation going to look like? Where's Biden's ratings going to be? Which will impact the infrastructure bill and the size that it will be able to pass? What will be the forward on China? What will be the forward on the Delta variant or COVID in general? The market doesn't like a lot of unknowns. And actually, we've had a tremendous amount of them that are just right there, out there. Rates, that's the topic du jour, where are rates going, how quickly they're going. So there are a lot of things to be concerned about. But what I will tell you, I'm very excited about the pace of technology and the ability for people to digest information quickly, which is why I'm stressing the headlines out of China on a nightly basis are very, very important. I think understanding the global narrative, coming together as a country so that we can get our workforce back engaged. Let's pray people stay healthy. But there are a lot of really concerning things ahead. I'm extremely negative, unfortunately, for the start of 2022, because I just think all of these issues are kind of being kicked down the road right now because we still have the Fed behind us and we still have people's performance to finish out the year. When you subside on that, what does that movie look like? I think it's a little scary, to be honest.
0: And just bring in some of these issues to closer to home when we talk about labor changes and where people are working. I think it'd be interesting for you to talk about where are we now in terms of, is your trading desk back in person? or people back in the office? Is Are things still remote? I'd be interested to hear.
1: On the distribution side, we host hybrid events with the optionality of in-person. So that's an improvement. And then as far as the trading desk goes, we're back. And so what we've been doing is, it's not dissimilar to what we were doing before. There's a process and a formula and a language that comes with our trading desk. And that has been put in place luckily for years. As far as the distribution, network. Some people are actually doing live meetings with our analysts, live meetings with companies. Some people are starting to tip their toe in the water. Some are still having meetings outside across the street from their offices. I think we've been in the forefront of doing the right thing at Oppenheimer. I love our leadership and how they're handling it. I think people care about being safe, but I also think Wherever we are and whatever ball is thrown at us, we are prepared to handle it. And so I'm really proud of the team, especially in the whole equities franchise. We've worked very closely with the bankers, with the research analysts in the equity franchise, cross asset, asset management, fixed income, and uh, of course, private wealth. It's been a really nice story for us. I think the pandemic has actually helped us a little bit because we were forced to come together quicker and tighter. Some of
0: these forced changes have been good and helped us realize what's important. Listen, you've given us a lot to think about. I think we've touched on a lot of the big risks that are hanging over the marketplace. You've expressed your view heading into 2022, which is maybe keep that seatbelt pretty tight and stay a bit cautious. I just really look forward to the next time that we get to do this again. So thank you.
1: Shane, I love talking to you. I love sharing ideas. And I think it's great for our audience. It should be proactive. They should ask follow-up questions. And what's great on the last time we did this, I think a lot of people did follow up with us. And I think it's important to create that narrative and open dialogue about all topics. If we can all do that, I think we all get better and we all learn from one
0: another. That's right. So again, thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon.
1: Great. Thanks, Shane.
0: Don't miss the next episode of Let's Talk Future as we explore a variety of topics important to every kind of investor by bringing our firm's financial thought leaders directly to you. Hit the subscribe button today.